Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear a message from myself, our Wellington campus pastor, Chris White. We really trust you'll enjoy today's message. Today's starting point is this. I want us to understand, the first step to understand is that joy is something we can choose. It's actually something we can choose. Psalm 95 says this, starting at verse 1. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us sing to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to Him. For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. And all throughout Psalms, all throughout Scriptures, often people are saying, I decide to choose. I'm going to praise God, no matter what my circumstances, whether they're hard or good, I'm going to praise the Lord. In Habakkuk, which we heard on Commissioning Sunday, we heard that message that week, how, you know, maybe your fig, your fig trees have no blossoms, grapes are dying, everything's looking bad. Yet in Habakkuk 3.18, it says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. But can I just say, it would be really, it would be really remiss of me if I said, yeah, just make a choice, you know, because to be honest, that's like sometimes when you're going through a hard time, you know, when someone comes and they just try and cheer you up with some trite Christian phrase, you know, and they're, oh, you know, just make a choice to rejoice. And you feel like you have no idea, do you? You got, And you just feel like punching them in the face. Maybe that's just me, I don't know. But, um, you know, the, the truth is, if you find yourself in a dungeon moment like Paul did, and that's the first moment you've ever chosen to rejoice, that's going to be a near impossible choice to make. It's actually going to be near impossible. You can't actually make a choice like that in a moment like that. To actually have joy in your heart needs a setup. It needs a setup. And in fact, the title of my message today is The Setup for Joy. Because for each of us, if we get to a crunch moment like that, we actually need to set ourselves up so that joy is already present in our lives. Does that sound good? Uh, the, the, body, uh, the, the Bible talks about the fact that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It says here in Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our life produces that fruit. But fruit takes time. It takes time to nurture and to grow. I wish it wouldn't. I remember when uh, we moved into our last house that we were in, and as a housewarming gift, Anna's brother bought us a, a lemon tree. And, uh, you know, um, we planted. We're so excited. We dug out all the, all the uh, clay that was in there, put some beautiful soil, put that lemon tree in. We're like, yeah. Let the fruit come, people. And you know, I've walked past other houses with those laden like lemon trees that would probably feed a whole nation. You know, those ones that people say, I'm always getting lemons out of my lemon tree. I'm like, I can't wait for that moment. And, uh, and so we planted that tree there in our, in our house in Upper Hut. And unfortunately, the, uh, the Upper Hut's uh, possum culling scheme hadn't really uh, worked into our suburb yet. And, uh, and honestly, within a few days, that was stripped of every useful leaf, Every little bud, any piece of hope was just gone from that tree. And I'm like, my gosh, possums are nasty creatures. But anyway, no, I, just, I looked at that and like, wow, what are we going to do? So we, we loved that. We loved that lemon tree. We nurtured it. We, tried, we you know, called it back into life. And uh, when we finally picked the first fruit, 
uh, we'd actually just sold the house 13 years later. And, uh, and uh, so maybe I'm not the best guy to be talking about fruit, but there we go. Um, vegetables are a lot easier to grow. Pumpkins, that's, you just put the seeds in the ground, pumpkin will grow, pumpkin will grow. But we are not, this is not the vegetables of the Holy Spirit. These are not the vegetables of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Somehow fruit seems to take longer, but what they produce is often so much sweeter. There we go. Um, so what are the key things? What are the key things that we need to actually sow into our lives? What are the key things, that choices and habits that we need to make? There's four I wanna point out today. There's many of them, but I wanna point out four today. The first one is this. Joy grows when we trust in Him. When we trust in Him. When we take time to see that God cares, that His love is unfailing. You know, the Bible is quite clear that in, in just the mere act of trusting God it can produce joy in our life. Psalm chapter five, five, verse 11 says this, but let all those that put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let them also that love your name be joyful in you. There's reasons why you can trust God. But I just want you to know from the outset, the mere fact that you decide to trust God can start to produce joy in your life. Psalm 40 is an amazing psalm, written by David. Starts off like this, Psalm 40, starting at verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see that he, what He has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord. I love it. It's a Psalm of David. And in it, he says, because of all the things that God has done, He's done so many things. When I was out of step, when I was unsteady, He made me steady. When I was in danger, He got me out of that point and He put me on a solid rock. And he said, because of that now, Within me, a new song is welling up. It's a new hymn. Now, after trusting God for so long, seeing Him come through time and time again, now within His heart was welling up joy. A new song was coming internally from within Him. It's amazing. And you think, well, or maybe His life was just going good at that point. Here's, here's later on in the Psalm, verse 12. For troubles surround me. That was not the case with Him right now. Too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. He was in danger again. You know, maybe there's some people here, you're listening to me right now, and you're in that spot where you know, I'm actually facing something tough right now. Maybe you're under threat. Maybe it's not you, but something that's important to you is under threat. Maybe you've walked through an incredibly challenging season of trial, of maybe temptation, of suffering. And you're like, how does that joy come? And God, where are you in this season? But the amazing thing is that God, in the midst of moments like that, like that darkness, we can still put our trust in Him. We can still put our trust in Him. And because we do so over time and time again, God comes through and He develops a pattern in our lives. When we hit that next moment, when you could say, all my courage is gone like David did, all my courage has disappeared, yet I know 
because of what you've done, you're going to do it again. And within me, despite all of this, there's a new song welling up within my heart. It's a song of praise. It's a song of joy because I can trust in you, God. The second thing that will produce joy, joy grows when we fear God and obey His commands. Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6, probably one of my favourite Bible verses when I was a teenager, says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. And as, as I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but think about Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of faith. Why was that? Because God asked him to do things that for many people, they would not have had the faith or the courage to have done. You know, he asked him to move out of his home, home life, the, the place where he knew, to go to a place he'd never seen before. Uh, asked him to do things that were extreme, were bold. And he was called the father of faith. And, and it wasn't a blind faith. He, he had faith in God. It wasn't, I'm just gonna believe this has happened, God. I hope you're on board. No, no, no. He heard the voice of God. He was responding to him. And then he stepped out in faith in what God was saying. I mean, God said to him, you're gonna be a father of many nations, a father of a great nation. And for him, he didn't even have a child. He was too old to have a child. His wife was too old. Yet he held on to that promise. That promise was 25 years before he had his first son. He's still thinking, what? I'm supposed to have a nation? It took 25 years for one son? Like, how is this ever gonna come about? How is this gonna come about? Yet he trusted in God, put his faith in Him, had total trust that God would do it. And then we read the story in Genesis 22. And this is an incredible story. I'm gonna read this to you now. Genesis 22, starting at verse one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Can we just pause here? I find this, I'm reading this and going like, God, why do you need to clarify this? Take your son. He's only got one son. He's only had one for 25 years. Take your son. And is, is, like, is Abraham thinking, oh, still not sure which one you're meaning. Your only son. Okay, narrows it down a bit. Yeah, yes, Isaac. Okay, got his name. There's still a few options, you know. You know, the one that you love. Okay, got it now. You know, like, but he labours that to him. And then it goes on. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. That's, that's just mind-blowing. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Man, that's incredible. What, what an act of obedience. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, God, you've just told me this. I need, to, I need time to process. We need to chat it over with my wife. Maybe we need to take out some insurance. I don't know, you know. It was the next morning. He gets up and he responds straight away. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place where God had told him. On the third day of their journey, can we just pause here again? On the third day. So he's been waiting for 25 years for a son. We don't actually know how old Isaac is at the stage. He could have been 12 or under, right? He's still a son. Let's, let's say he was eight. It's now been 33 years, one son. That's all he has with a promise of a nation. And now he's walking for three days into the face of death. Three days into the thing he would most fear, yet he kept every step going forward. He never turned back, said he went in that direction the whole way, the whole time. Every step was a step of obedience. Abraham looked up and saw a place in the distance. 
Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. And that was his hope that God would provide the sheep. But he had no surety from God. God said it was going to be his son. And how do you do that? Like, how do you do that? Like, you've had a promise for 25 years. You might lose it in a moment at your own hands. Like, how do you put faith in God in a moment like that? Yet he did. Carrying on in verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his own son as a sacrifice. Just that moment there. Surely he's thinking, this is the point of no return. I thought he might have made another way, but there's no other way. I just have to go through with this now. What a moment is that? At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up, saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yairah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. You've got to hear this. Because you have obeyed me, it's because of his obedience and have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And though your descendants and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. All because you have obeyed me. Joy came to Abraham and increased joy, a joy he could not have expected all because he obeyed God. Just as an aside, I want us to see a parallel here. There is an amazing parallel because this is what God does all through the Bible, all through history. He says, man, God has the power to do whatever He wants. But what He does is He always goes in tandem in relationship with with us as, as human beings. He says, if you'll do this, if you'll do this, I'll come alongside it and and I'll do that. He's constantly looking for that relationship with us. He's looking for our step of obedience. And as we step out in obedience, then somehow He moves and does something miraculous with it. So take a look at this. He had asked Abraham to give up his one and only son, the one whom he loved. He labored that. Isaac carried the wood on his shoulders for his own sacrifice. Then he bound his own son so the son could do nothing to physically resist that. What came next? The whole thing was a three-day journey into death. And what did it achieve? It achieved the release of God's favour upon his life and a promise of that blessing 
pouring out to generations to come. The family was to be known as the family of God. This was the nation of Israel. Thousands of years later, God did the same thing. He sent His one and only Son. His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, the one whom He loved, who ended up carrying the wood for the sacrifice on His own back. Then He was bound so He could do nothing physically to resist what would come next. Bound, nailed there. Then He took a three-day journey into death. And what did that achieve? It achieved the release of God's favour, not just upon His life. He was given the name above every name, but on everyone who would believe in Him. And everyone who would believe in Him would become part of the family of God. We would become part of the family of God. Man, that's worth celebrating. That's worth thanking God for. The amazing thing, as, as, God, as, as God pours out His Spirit and we respond, we say, God, I will do what you've asked me to do. And somehow we release the favour of God, the power of God to do so much more than we could ever dare, dream or imagine. Come on, let's praise God for His incredible gift. As we obey God, we release joy into our life. God's blessing upon us. The third point is this, joy grows when we consume God's Word. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says this, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. By allowing God's Word to fill our heart and our minds, we allow the source of joy like nothing else to pour in through us. God's Word is living and active. We need to understand that. It says in Hebrews, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Man, that's a powerful picture. Soul and spirit, what's it talking about? There's the soul, there's the things that we feel that are temporary right now. There's the spirit that represents the eternal. Somehow God's Word will just separate those things out. Joints and marrow. Why is it mentioned marrow? Uh, many commentators read this and they think this is a reference to the fact that in our marrow, in our bones, is where blood is made. And our lifeblood is produced in the marrow. And if God's Word gets in there, then it just doesn't penetrate our mind. It doesn't just penetrate our spirit. It actually penetrates our body where life is formed itself. Can I tell you, when we consume God's Word, don't just think it's changing your mind. Don't just think it's even changing your spirit. It can change your body. Everything about yourself. We are not just, we're not just separated beings. We are three parts all in one. God's Word will do that in an incredibly powerful way. Man, we could, we could introduce habits into our life that would reform us, you know? We could, you know, you could do exercise. You could read lots of books. You know, you could do lots of things that would help you. They will reform your life but nothing will transform your life like the Word of God. Absolutely will change you. You know, when I was a young adult, like I, I remember this one particular time and um, I had some relationship challenges going on, um, complex set of circumstances. It was just, it was eating me up and it was just, it was destroying me. And I knew that. And I knew I was in trouble. I could tell it wasn't just affecting my mind. It was affecting my body. It was affecting everything about me. God started to give me His Word. I started to, I grabbed hold of scriptures. I'm like, man, I need this. I need this word. I started to write it down on a piece of paper because I'm like, I need this with me all the time. And there's no other way to describe this, but the, the way the situation was, was, was um, 
constricting me is I actually felt like my whole chest was full of ice. It was like I was, I was turning into concrete. You know, everything inside of me was actually, I could feel physically I was changing. And what I would do is I'd pull that piece of paper out and I'd just start to read through those scriptures. When I couldn't take it any, more, any longer, I'd get myself away. I'd pull the paper out. I'd read through these scriptures. And the only way I can describe it was I felt like God poured this hot, like a hot, like vase of water and just started to pour it over me. And I read these scriptures. It transformed my mind, my thinking, my spirit, and it changed me physically. God started, His Word started to transform me from the inside out. A very similar thing happened. I remember when I, when I started work here at Arise. I love this work. You know, this is something I feel passionate about. But at the same time, I can feel the burden of it, you know. And I remember uh, I'd been here working for quite a while. And I thought, I'm feeling overwhelmed by the burden of what I have to do. And I realized it was starting to steal my joy. I'm like, I, need, I, can't, I can't carry on like this. I need to do something about this. So I knew the thing that I only knew how to, how to respond to this. I started collecting scriptures if joy is what I need, then I had to look up joy in the, in the Bible. I started to collect scriptures on joy. Actually formed the basis of a lot of the points I'm making here today. I started to read God's word, collect scriptures. Then what I'd do is when I felt overwhelmed, go into the bathroom and read this out loud. You know, Not too loud because that's weird if someone's in the cubicle next door to you. But you know, you're just going to... I started to read it out loud and I felt things start to transform inside of me. That's when I started to read scriptures like in Psalm 119, 143. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. And in verse 111, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my life. I, can I just challenge you? Some people here, I think you've been reading the Bible like a magazine. You've been looking at the Bible like it's social media posts, just flicking through. Man, the, the Bible needs to be consumed. You need to eat it. It needs to come into your very being. It needs to be something that you grab a hold of. It needs to hold you up in every season. And if you would treat it like that, if you would feast on it, if you would allow yourself to, to feed on it, then it will sustain you. When you find yourself in a dungeon, joy will be there. Joy will be there because it wells up from the inside. It comes from within you. My last point, and if the band could come and join me, my last point is this. Joy grows when we seek the presence of God. Joy grows when we seek the presence of God. This is our ultimate goal, our relationship with God. It's our relationship with Him. Psalm 16, 11 says this, You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Man, can I say, whether you've known God for five minutes or 50 years, every single one of us, we're like at the very start of our journey of our relationship with God. Man, we don't know hardly anything about God. But we have got an eternity to discover Him. And it starts now. We have the opportunity to get to know God. God wants us to get to know Him. And, and that's the greatest joy of our life, is to explore our relationship with God. You know, for me, it started when I was young, when I set a regular time and a place to meet with God. Can I just say very bluntly, if you don't have a time and you don't have a place, then you probably have no regular connection with God. Why do I say that? Because that's, that's just the basics of forming any habit. If there's no time and no place, then it most likely won't happen. Maybe that's your first step. Start a time. Think of a place. Connect with God. Make that happen. 
For my friends growing up, a lot of them would, would journal when they spent time with God. They'd write things down. So I took on the same habit. And can I tell you what? It's been a habit that I continue to this day. Because if God speaks to me, I want to remember what He says. I tell you what, if you read back over some of the things I've written, hardly any of them are very profound. They're mostly just simple things. But I need to be reminded of the simple things of God. He's speaking to me every day. I want to capture what it is that He said. And those things, some of them have been very profound. They've now formed the basis of my journey, my theology, my experience with God. They've carried me through hard times. They've propelled me to the good times. And it's actually formed the basis of my connection with Him. You know, we could talk to, you know, multiple people in this room, online and other places, and everyone, we could learn from everyone how to connect with God. Because everyone is unique. With Anna, you know, my wife, she would say there's one key aspect she, she really um, indulges in. When she can get a little bit of extra space, she calls it, if I get a date time with God, that's a few hours, you know. You clear your calendar. No one else is going to be meeting with you. And you just have not a rush time. It's like a little bit longer. See, that's the times that she would speak openly with Him. That's the times that maybe she'd have worship music on. Maybe she, she, there would be tears in those times. She could talk things out with Him. There's no rush. You've got that time and space to just have that conversation with God. That's transformed her world. There's a man I met many years ago. He inspired me. Incredible businessman, but an amazing minister of God all at the same time. He would plan two or three times a year where he'd take a whole day out. He'd just go to some, you know, office space somewhere, but no one else would come in. And he could, God, this whole day is yours. Whatever thoughts are coming today, I'm going to assume they're part of your thoughts. I'm going to invite you to just to come on in. Some of his greatest business ideas came out of those moments. He explained some of them to me. I was blown away. Multi-million dollar ideas that were birthed in that moment on simple little things that God started to speak to him about that became incredibly impactful. Things that God did. Now, some of you in this room and some of you watching right now, you're like, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an at-home parent. Like, don't ask me to give a whole day. Like, 15 minutes would be gold. You know what I mean? Can I just say, it actually only takes a moment it actually only takes a moment. It's our attitude towards coming towards God. The other night, I remember going home and, uh, you know, it'd been a big day. I thought, I'll grab Leo and I'll just go for a walk. I just felt like I needed to go for a walk. Just around the block, like a 10, 15 minute walk. I'm just walking around the block with him. And, uh, and um, I just kind of looking around, you know, admiring people's gardens and, you know, I just started talking to God and I just started with thankfulness. Can I just say thankfulness is like a doorway to the presence of God. Come into His gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter His courts with praise. There I am just thanking God. And then like the presence of God came. My God, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for all you've given me. I'm so grateful for this little guy, you know, as he's sitting on my front of me. I'm so grateful, God, for my wife. So grateful for my kids. Lord, I thank you for the suburb, you know, like gnarly trees and you, you've been working on that garden for centuries Then someone's little garden they've been working on for, you know, 10 years. That's like nothing, you know what I mean? But what you've done is unbelievable. I thank God for the church. Thanking for these people that I'm seeing in front of me right now. God, I thank you. You've given me a sense of purpose. Lord, I thank you for my health, for where I'm at. God, I thank you for my relationship with you. It's just like a 10 minute walk presence of God comes and it fills my heart with joy that's all we need we need a moment with Him 
Can we just stand on our feet right across this room? Online there in Dunedin. And right at the start, I said, joy is a choice. But if you're trying to find that choice for the first time in the really hard moment, that's going to be real tough. So joy is made from a series of choices that we make today. And I just believe God's been prompting you. He's been speaking to you. Maybe for you, He's saying, I want you to trust in me. Why don't you do it? Why don't you put put your trust in me? For some, He's actually pushing you a little further. He's saying, I want you to obey me. I actually want you to step out. You know what it is I've asked you to do. Now have boldness and courage. Step out on it. I want you to do it. Put it into place. See what I can do. Because if you do it, you'll see incredible things that I'm going to start to do. For some of you, you need to make the choice to consume God's Word. Don't treat it like a magazine. Don't treat it like a social media post. But allow it to fill your heart. Feast on it. Let it, let it flow through your mind. Let it transform your body, change your world. For others here, God's saying, will you make a choice to seek me, seek my presence, chase me with all of your heart? Because if you do, joy will rise up. I'm just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. We're gonna worship together. But as we do, allow God to speak to you. Make a decision in your mind. A choice doesn't necessarily feel profound, but it can transform your world. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.